Amen. High five somebody. Tell them welcome home. Whatever you want to do, whatever you're comfortable with, just tell them welcome home to Radiate this morning. We're so glad. We're so glad that you are here. If you're at home, high five somebody on the couch next to you. Shoot somebody a high five emoji text, whatever it looks like, whatever it looks like. Man, we're so glad that you're with us. We, you know, I, I was thinking, I want to say this. You can go ahead and turn. Um, the first scripture we're going to is, is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15. But um, I was thinking this week that, um, you know, like my son, my, my wife told me this morning, I didn't even think about it like this, but my youngest son, this is the only church that he knows. The only church he knows is like church in a school and you set up and you tear down and you run crazy in the lobby while pipes are being pulled down over your head and all kinds of crazy things. And um, for some of you, that's the same way. You didn't grow up in church. You didn't come to church, uh, you know, growing up consistently. And you met Jesus here. You got, or you gave your life to Jesus here. You were baptized here, all those things. And man, the great thing is, is that it's just the beginning, man. It's just the beginning. God is doing amazing things. And I'm so glad that you get to be a part of the journey with us. Is anybody excited about our future? Come on, somebody. We just believe in, in being excited. We believe in passion. So, in fact, that's what I want to talk to you about today. And we're in week five of our Stay Positive series. If you're taking notes, we always encourage you to do so. I'd, I'd love for you to title it this From Sweatpants to Swords. From Sweatpants to Swords. Anybody have to use some sweatpants like I did on Thursday for Thanksgiving meals? You know, like I ate entirely too much. I, I'm okay with that. I love Thanksgiving, it's probably my favorite holiday. Um, but from sweatpants to swords. And the truth is, is I want to talk to you about getting your passion back, getting our passion back. Because what I've noticed over this year and, and through the pandemic and through um, just so many just, I think everybody can admit this has just been an insane, I don't, it's not even well, 12 months, 11 months, whatever it is. It's been insane. There's all kinds of things. And if we're not careful, our passion can fade. And I've noticed with, with some people, the truth is, is that passion, excitement, enthusiasm, spiritual passion, spiritual fire has faded from a lot of people. And for some people, it started to fade well before COVID ever hit, well before 2020. And then 2020 came and COVID hit and all these things. And it just, that became the reason or the excuse for passion to fade. Are you with me? And so I want to talk to us about the fact that enthusiasm and passion is actually incredibly important to what God, I believe, wants to do, not just as a church in our next season, but individually in our next season. Because what can happen a lot of times, let's, let's put it like a fire. It's a great time for fires out in the backyard in a fire pit, and you're sitting around, and you're just hanging out with your wife or your kids or some friends. And, and when you first start the fire, you got the fire log in there, and you got some, some firewood in there, and the fire starts. The flames are hot. It's really hot, right? But the longer the fire goes, over time, what happens? The fire shrinks. It gets smaller. It's not quite as hot. So you got to go to the pile, and you got to grab another piece of firewood and throw it in there so that the fire comes back up and gets ready. What I, what I believe and what I've seen across our nation when it is concerned with, with the spiritual passion in, in the churches that a lot of people's fire started going out, but we never put another piece of firewood on it. And then we just wonder, why in the world do we not have the passion that we once had? Why do we not have the enthusiasm that what we once had? Why do I not feel as close to God as I once did? Why, why do my prayers seem like they're hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down? Why, why, why? Why don't I even have the drive anymore? Why don't I want to get out of my living room and come to church? I just want to come. And I'm not, I know there's certain situations that keep you home, but 
For some people, it's an excuse. It's not a, it's not a reason. Are you with me today? And I'm just going to give it to us straight because here's what I believe. I believe what we've lost is a spiritual boldness and a spiritual passion in a lot of things in 2020. And I want to talk about how do we get that back? What, what happens? Because it seems like for some of us, this whole spiritual thing has just become a routine. It's just become, this is what we do. We get up and we say our prayer to start our day and we get dressed and we go to work. And then before we fall asleep, we say our prayer again. And, you know, we kind of deal with it or we, sh- we get up early and we go to church and we do these. Like, it's just routine. It's just process. The process has numbed us because we've allowed it to become mundane instead of realizing that it's actually miraculous. It's miraculous that I get a life of eternity. It's miraculous that I get to serve God in my life. It's miraculous that God gave his son to, to die for my sins so that I didn't have to. It's, we used to be, we used to be fired up and now we just kind of go through the motions. Some of you are sitting in the room today or you're sitting at home listening to this and you're already saying, I know that's me. I've lost my enthusiasm. I'm not where I used to be. I, I don't know what changed. And I don't know what shifted. I, I used to be excited, and now I'm not as much, and we're going to talk about that today. But I believe there's two, two types of people in the room and watching us online, whether you're watching live or you're watching on demand. The truth of the matter is there's two types of people. The first type of person is someone that lets their circumstance determine their enthusiasm. And let their circum- so, in other words, our passion and enthusiasm changes based on what we go through in the day. We all do it, I do it, but some of us do it very consistently. It just depends. You ever heard somebody say this? Maybe you've said it. Maybe you'll join me in this club that I've said it, that, man, I just had a bad morning, and now it's just kind of rubbed off on the rest of my day. I've heard people say that, I just can't help it. I just had a bad morning. No, you can't help anything you want to help. You with me today? Some people let their uh, their circumstance dictate their enthusiasm, but the second group of people is they let their enthusiasm dictate their circumstance. How many of you know that when you show up to a circumstance with the right attitude, a lot of times it changes the circumstance? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just changes everything. For instance, I, I, I want to put it like this. Um, how many people, Pastor Travis and I talk about it in this vein all the time because we're sports guys, and, and, and we got a lot of sports fans in the room. How many have ever been to a live sporting event, like a, a live football game, baseball game, anything like that, right? So here's the, here's the reality. Like, I know this isn't a mystery, but I'm a big Gamecock fan. It's been a rough 37 years, praise God. Um, I'm a big Gamecock fan, and, and, and I've been to Williams-Brice. Some of you guys have been to, to Death Valley and Clemson. Maybe your favorite team is Texas A&M or Georgia. Boo. Uh, any of that? I have to do that. Y'all beat us last night. Um, you know, maybe, whatever it is, and, and you go, there's nothing like getting in the room with, with that happening, right? If you're at Death Valley and you're a Clemson fan, there's nothing like being there and you hear Clemson rag being played and you see the guys lining up at the top of the hill and they start to run down the hill after they rub the rock. And I'm just going to make a confession, all right, counseling right now. I, I hope somebody trips and falls down that hill every time they start. I'm just letting you know. Like, I want to see them roll like a, ro- a boulder down that thing. I just, just go rolling just, and trip everybody up on the way. I just want to see it. You're welcome. You can pray for me this afternoon, all right? There's nothing like it, though. I've been in Death Valley when that takes place. I was not wearing purple or orange, I promise. Would never do that. But the truth is, I've been in there, and it is electric, and it is really, really exciting. And you, you hear 80,000 people just, whoa, let's go, it's fun, yeah! You have to spell Clemson because you don't really know how unless the song's playing. 
just kidding. I'm just kidding. Calm down. Right? Or you're sitting in Williams Price and 2001 starts up and you hear it blaring and you hear the over the loudspeakers and the smoke comes up and there's fire over the pillar. And, you get so excited. Players come running out. They probably do trip over each other because we're Carolina. Like all this stuff like takes place. And there's nothing like, it is just electric when you walk in that stadium and all this stuff starts to take place. Here's why, because you got 80,000 people that have enthusiasm in the room. And here's the thing, the circuit, they, they, every person in that building, every person in that stadium, right now, 15,000 people or whatever it is, every person thinks the louder I cheer, the better they play. I was there with my two kids two years ago when we beat Missouri in a monsoon. And I lost my wedding ring at one point because I was beating on the benches so hard and the bleachers and my hands were blood red. And my kids were like, I don't want to leave. And I'm like, me either. And we're just going crazy because we thought the louder we cheered, the better they played. But here's the thing. Like sometimes our enthusiasm determines the energy in the room. So why do we bring it to football games? Why do we bring it to sports? Why do we bring it to all these things? But we don't bring it to church. We've lost our enthusiasm. We've lost our passion. We've lost some of that fire. And I want to see us bring that back to where our, our enthusiasm changes the circumstances where we believe the louder we are and the more excited we are and the happier we are and the more joyful and, and, and positive we are, the more it changes everything. In the room. I've seen it happen. I know you have too. I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 57. I mean chapter 15, verse 57 and 58. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Because I like the way it's worded in there. It's going to come on the screen in that. I like the word choice that that translation uses. It says this. But thank God. In other words, here is your reason. Thank God. Because he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus, some people are going, I don't know where my excitement for God went. I, I just don't understand what took place. And I used to love him so much, but then COVID happened. And now I don't, I love him, but I'm not excited. Man, he's writing right here to the church of Corinth. He's going, hey, you need to thank God. You need to be excited and passionate and enthusiastic because he gave you victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ. Right? Watch, watch verse 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Don't move. Don't change. Don't let circumstances change your thing. Be strong and immovable. Always work what? Enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I love that translation. Work enthusiastically. Work excitedly. Work with passion. Work with desire. Work with some kind of, your heart pumps peanut butter for whatever you're doing because it's for the Lord. Because nothing we do for the Lord is ever useless. Watch this. What you do doesn't make the impact. Who you do it for does. What you do doesn't make all the impact. Who you do it for does. Because when we do it for the Lord, when my marriage is founded in the Lord, when my kids are, are, are founded in the Lord, when my job that I've been praying for, that I'm frustrated with, I do it for the Lord. When I do it for the Lord, it's never useless. Think about that. The most mundane things. That's why I, we, can, we can sweep a floor. Praise the Lord. I'm sweeping a floor. Because nothing I ever do for the Lord 
is ever useless. That's why for three, four weeks we've been going to the building and we've been pressure washing and vacuuming and painting and putting things up and cleaning things and doing that. I could go through a million. Why? Because nothing we do for the Lord is ever useless. I want you, I want you to hear me that sometimes if we're not careful, the very thing that we've been praying for, salvation, grace, mercy, forgiveness, financial, uh, 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 financial provision, all these things can become our obstacle if we don't do them for the Lord. We'll start to hate the very thing we've prayed for. Lord, help me pay my bills. Well, I hate my job, so I'm quitting it. And the Lord's like, I was helping you pay your bills. But I wasn't doing it for the Lord, so it became an obstacle. Are you with me today? Everything we do can be done unto the Lord. Work enthusiastically, because when it's for the Lord, the mundane becomes miraculous. Are you following me today? When, the, when we do it for the Lord, the mundane, the, the everyday, the get up and go to work and do it this way and do it that way and have the same argument and the same discussion and blah, blah, blah. And, and I know we get bored with the mundane, but when we put it in the Lord's hand, it becomes miraculous. Everything changes. Everything shifts because it's not what we do. It's who we do it for. Enthusiasm is not a product of our environment. Enthusiasm is a posture of our heart. Please hear me. Enthusiasm is not a product of our environment. Enthusiasm, being excited about something, has nothing to do with everything around me being perfect. Because if it does, then the moment it's not perfect anymore, I'm no longer excited. That's why some of us, we gave our lives to the Lord. We're doing all these things. We started this stuff. We were excited. We were enthusiastic. And the moment it went to a place that I didn't think it was going to go and things went wrong and it didn't work out for me, I lost my excitement. Why? Because it wasn't dependent on God. It was dependent on what was going on around me. It was dependent on who said hey to me. It was dependent on this person doing it the way I think it needs to be done. It was dependent on this. It was dependent on that. And the truth is it was never dependent on God. And so I lost my excitement. I lost my enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is not a product of environment. It is a posture of the heart. I want to talk to you about how we can get that, that enthusiasm back and what it looks like. And we're going to look at it through the life of David, through the life of David, King David. King David really had two seasons of his life. And the first season that King David had was, was really as a kid. This was his enthusiastic. You, you ever seen or heard somebody? I've said this. I said it yesterday. I'm going to be real honest. You watch kids run around and play and go crazy, and they're jumping, and they're screaming, and they're flipping, and they're blah, 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 whatever. I don't know, Miss Creel, our principal for this school is here today, and she sees these kids going nuts all the time. I see it, and I get tired watching them. You know what I'm saying? And, and I know she probably has had this thought, and I know I have this. I wish I had an ounce of that energy. Anybody, anybody ever thought that, right? And that was King David as a kid. As a kid before he was king, he had all the energy and enthusiasm. He was, he was ready to go. In fact, this was a kid that was overlooked by his own dad. He wasn't sent to the army because he wasn't big enough, strong enough, good enough, smart enough, good-looking enough. They sent everybody but him. Then his brothers are at war. They're, they're standing off with Goliath. Goliath's coming, and he's coming after him. You know the story and, and all this stuff. And they're at the army, the army of Israel. They, 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 you know, they're backing down from the Philistines. They're scared to death. I want you to see the enthusiasm a kid had. I want you to see in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 45 through 46. Watch this. This is, I, this, it just makes me laugh. I love the way he says it. It says, then David, remember, he's a kid. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, 
a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. In other words, he goes, you came to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. You came to me with three things. I come to you in the name of God. That's all I got, bud. Now watch verse 46. This is hilarious. He says, he looking at a giant, y'all, with a sword on his hip, a spear and a javelin, and he's got armor on. This kid, the shepherd boy, looks at, an, at a giant and goes, this day, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will remove your head from you, and I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. This kid was so enthusiastic about what God was doing in his life and everywhere else and who God was. He ran up to a giant with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, and he said, I'm going to take your head off, son. I want you to know I'm going to be holding it at the end of the day. I'm going to give it over to the, to the Israelites, and then every one of your armies is going to be eating up my bird. I just want you to know, Goliath, you may be stronger than me. You may be taller than me. You may have more armor than me. You may have more weapons than me. But I'm so enthusiastic and passionate about who my God is. I know that at the end of the day, I'm holding your head. You ain't holding mine. Think about that. When's the last time we looked at our problems and said, hey, I know that you're a big problem. I can't figure you out. I don't have this thing worked out. I don't know what to do, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be holding your head problem. I'm going to be holding it in my hands, and everything behind you is going to be eaten up by birds because I know who my God is. I'm passionate about my God. I'm enthusiastic about my God. I'm knowledgeable about my God. I worship my God. I know my God. And so, therefore, at the end of the day, you can come to me with all you got problem. You can come to me with all you got, devil. But I'm telling you right now, I'll I'll have your head at the end of the day. When's the last time we did that? And when we lose our enthusiasm, guess what happens? We lose that boldness. We lose that kid-like faith. Because going back to last week, here's the truth. David didn't have a lot of self-confidence. He had a lot of God confidence. He had a lot of God confidence. He knew who God was. How did he have that much confidence? Here we go. He trusted God daily. He had to trust God daily. David was a shepherd man, a shepherd boy. Watch this. At some point in his journey, David had to fend off a lion and a bear that were coming after his, his sheep. That means the bear and the lion were hungry. I don't know about you. How many, how many, uh, uh, never mind. I was going to say, if you ever dealt with somebody hangry, now put that into the belly of a lion and a bear. And David, it says David took care of both of them. He had to rely on God. He had no choice. And so because of what he had seen God do, he could stand up when it was the Goliath, and he could stand up whenever it was Saul, and he could watch God change lives. He had to depend on God. So not only he walked with, or he trusted God daily, he walked with God daily. David penned this statement. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. In other words, wherever my shepherd tells me to go, I go. I know his voice. I follow his voice. I go where he says. I do what he, I walk with him daily. I don't just wait until Sundays. I walk with him every day. Every day. I, I know what he has to say. I, I know what he wants to do. And then he worshiped God daily. There's this moment when David becomes king and he's still got a little bit of that enthusiasm and his seasons are kind of shifting and, and overlapping for a minute. It says that he began to worship by the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a spiritual representation or a physical representation of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And it says when he got around and he began to worship, 
and he tore his clothes off because tearing his clothes off in that moment, I know you're sitting there going, that's weird. That's, and it is weird to us, but in that moment, it was symbolic of lamenting and mourning his past. But he was also dancing and celebrating, and he tore his clothes off so he had no restraint of his worship. And they were looking at him, they were going, David, you got to chill out, man. you got to calm down. David, you got to put your clothes on. That's what I'd have been saying. Like, David, please. They said, David, you got to calm down. You got to chill out a little bit. You got to, you got to, you got, you're the king. You're supposed to be more reverent, more, di- more digni- dignified than that. Kind of sounds like what some of us have been told our entire time in church. Hey, come to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. Just don't be too loud. Don't clap too loud. Don't sing too loud. Don't worship too loud. Hey, don't throw your hands up in the air. Don't do none of that. Like we can't be, we can't, we can't be exorbitant about our worship, but we're going to celebrate. No, you're not. The problem is some of us celebrate football way more than we do Jesus. And football ain't done nothing for our eternity. I know that is the ultimate pastor illustration. But it's true. And so he's like, and here's what I love what David says. He goes, no, you want me to be dignified? Watch this. I'll become even more undignified than this. Because I, sir, whoever you are wanting me to be dignified and be the king and uh, and fit into your mold, I am excited about what God is doing in my life. And I'm excited about what God can do in yours. And he worshiped. He worshiped God. We he trusted God daily. He walked with God daily. He worshiped God daily. And so we've got to learn to do those things. We've got to get in the Bible. I can't, I can't trust a God I know nothing about. If I don't read his Bible, I don't know him. I've got to get in the Word. I, 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 some of us want to know God better, but we won't pray until the pastor leads us in prayer on Sunday mornings. I can't, how am I going to draw closer to somebody I won't even talk to? Like, if I never talked to my wife, she would not think that I loved her. We complain about a text message not being returned to us, but we won't get on our knees and talk to God. Unless it's, hey, God, I got a problem. Like, the truth is, like, we got to pray. We got to worship, man. Like, we need to outwardly show what God does for us and how excited we are about God. You know why I lift my hands and I sing? I can't sing. Y'all, I can't carry a tune in a tin bucket. It is terrible. But I sing as loud as I can. Why? I'm excited about those words. I know a change is coming. I know revival's on its way. I know the streets can be filled with praise. I know it. Like, I'm excited. It don't sound good, but I'm excited about it. We got we to gotta learn to worship daily and get in this thing. So this first season, he was a kid. He had all this enthusiasm. And then all of a sudden, he traded his sword for sweatpants when he became a king. David became king, and he put on his stretchy pants, and he sat back, and he ate as much as he could, and he did whatever he could because what happens is when you're the king, you lead from the front. Leaders lead from the front. The problem is is we think the front means a platform with a microphone and telling people what to do and sitting in an office. I want to tell you what the front looks like. If you're a leader, you ever want to be a leader, a leader leads from the front, but the front often looks like the back. The front means picking up a broom when you need to pick up a broom. The front means picking up a vacuum when you need to. The front means picking up a paintbrush. The front means being there until 10 o'clock when nobody else is there. The front means praying when everybody else is sleeping. The front means making decisions nobody else wants to make. You lead from the front when it really looks like the back. The front ain't a platform. The front is the serving moments to do whatever it takes that nobody will ever give you credit for, that nobody ever even knows that you've done. And the truth is, is like David, kings, whenever they'd send their armies to battle, the kings would go with them. 
The kings would go with them and fight with them because they led from the front. But not this time. No, 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 no. David put up his sword. David grabbed his sweatpants. David said, you guys go and risk your life for the battle. I'm going to sit back on my rooftop. And that's when he looks over and he sees Bathsheba over there. And he says, bring her to me. David does his thing, gets her pregnant. And then he kills her husband that was his best friend simply to hide the whole thing. See, David traded his sword for his sweatpants. He traded his calling for his comfort. He traded his calling for his comfort so that he could make sure that whatever. And, and see, the truth is, is that as a kid with enthusiasm, David ran into the battle. But as a king with apathy, David ran from the battle. And what I'm, I'm afraid of is, is what is happening all across our land is, is maybe we're trading our calling for, for our comfort. Maybe we're trading our sword of how to accomplish purpose for our sweatpants. Like, I, I, I want to go to a church that does it exactly like I... You know, I, I didn't know how, opinion, how many people knew how to do church so perfectly until I became a pastor. Like everybody knows how to do church, but the person that's actually trying to do it. Come on. Called armchair quarterbacks in football. You know? And the truth is, is like, here's what happened whenever we first got saved and we first gave our hearts to the Lord. Man, during worship, we're standing there. We got our arms up. We're dancing. We're swaying. We're singing. Yeah, the chain coming. You know, because that's what y'all sound like. Don't act like y'all sound like you're on American Idol or something. Y'all, y'all ain't, mm-mm, mm-mm. I've heard y'all. You know, and we're all excited. And over time, what happens is our, our hands begin to lower and our sway gets a little less. And then by before we know it, we're just standing here like this, hands in pockets, going, yeah, Pastor Chris, good job. I like that song. It's really good. Hey, Elliot, man, that, that sounded great. Woo, let's go, Elliot. Yeah. Hey, Ariana, great voice. Wonderful job. And the whole time they're going, I ain't doing this for you. I'm trying to set an atmosphere of worship. And what happens is, is we just get bored enough in the routine to where we just start sitting back like, uh-huh, another sermon. He, another sermon, another worship. Another moment, and we, and we lose our enthusiasm for it. Or, or, or how about this one? When we first give our lives to the Lord and we're excited about what's going on, we got our sword, and we sit down, and we're like, oh, man, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to read this chapter today, and I'm going to do this. And over time, we do it and do it, and life begins to happen, and we get numb. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I can't believe he asked me to do four days of a Bible reading plan for every sermon. I heard him preach. I don't need to read the Bible. Well, last I checked, I ain't God. I need, I need my sword. I need to read or whatever it is. Or when we, first, when we first gave our lives to the Lord, it was, God, help me to become this. And we asked God, God, teach me what I need to know about this and how to do better at this and how to get through this. And over time, we just sit back and go, you know what? Instead of talking to God, I think I'll ask Facebook. Surely they'll know. Instead of talking to God, we talk to everybody else about everybody else. Come on, let's call it what it is. The problem is, is when we miss our spiritual enthusiasm, we trade our calling for our comfort. And what I just believe is it, it needs to take place in this world is we need to stop trading our calling for our comfort, and we need to start trading our comfort for our calling. We need to pick our swords back up and go, God, you tell me where to go. I'll run to the battle lines. I'll go over to David. I'll go, I mean, Goliath, and I'll tell him I'm going to have your head on a platter by the time this thing's over. I know what God's promised me to do. I know who he is. I know what's happening. I, it's time for us to stop sitting back with, with so much apathy that there's no way I can lift my hands and pray and serve and do these things. 
Apathy causes us not to care about somebody's eternity. And here's the thing, like David came to a place to where all the enthusiasm he had was now gone. And his sword was traded for sweatpants. But yet God still made this statement about David, and it blows my mind. He said this, he said, David is still a man after what? My own heart. Can we, can we pull up Psalm 51? I think they got that a little easier than I can. Psalm 51 and 10 and 12. Here's how David got his sword back. His passion back. Because he, I need to tell you, some of you are sitting back there going, I don't, I don't have that passion, man. I, I used to. And now I just don't. I just need you to hear me. God's not cutting you off because of that. In fact, here's what David did. He, You know, last week I told you if you read the book of Psalms, it's like reading David's personal personal journal. Here's what he writes. He writes, create, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. You know, you don't clean something unless it's dirty. There's something about David that he knew was wrong. He knew it was dirty. He knew he lost it. He had traded it. He said, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast, a spirit that would just stay a spirit that is immovable, a spirit that doesn't change with the circumstances. Watch this, verse 12. And restore to me the joy of your salvation, the enthusiasm of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Sometimes, to get the passion back, all we got to do is just go, God, create in me a pure heart. Let's read Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and, and 5. It says this, but I have this against you. Jesus is saying this to Ephesus. I, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Wow. And then he says, therefore, remember from where you have fallen. Remember where you were and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. What a strong statement. Here's what he's trying to tell us. Repent, turn and walk away. Restore, create in us a clean heart, oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, I just got to ask, like, where are you today? King or kid? Some of you may go, hey, I'm, I still got that kid-like enthusiasm. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm good. And to you, I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you because what most of us have done during COVID is we've allowed it to go, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. I don't need to worry about things. I got everything right here in my comfort zone. But if it doesn't stretch, if it's not uncomfortable to us, it won't stretch you. Anything that makes you grow is uncomfortable. Go to a gym and lift heavy weights. It's uncomfortable and it hurts, but you will not grow until you do it go run on a treadmill it is not fun to sweat and hurt and have shin splints but guess what you won't get in shape unless you would unless you do <laughs> i love you john and we got to learn to be stretched and be uncomfortable and get our passion 
back. I think it's time for the people of God to grab their sword again and throw their sweatpants in a fire somewhere and go, no, I'll do what I got to do. I'll run at the battle line. I'll grab my sword. I'll do what you've asked me to do, God. No matter how hard, how tough, how frustrating, how difficult. A steadfast spirit that doesn't move and doesn't change based on circumstance. Would you stand your feet with me today? I don't know. I just want to ask this with heads bowed and eyes closed, and we're going to pray and get out of here. If there's there anybody in the room that would say, number one, Pastor, I got to give my heart to Jesus. I need to pray and ask for forgiveness and give him my life. Give him everything that I have. I want to spend eternity with him, and that starts today. And it's not the prayer that'll save you, it's the heart posture of forgiveness and repentance. If that's you in the room and you're ready to give your life to Jesus today and start that, would you just lift your hand in the room right where you are? I'm not gonna call you forward. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, embarrass you. But if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus today, just throw your hand up high in the air. If the whole church would just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for loving me and giving me life eternal. Today, I give you my life and everything in it. I trust you. I walk with you. And I love you. In your name, amen. If you said that and you gave your heart to Jesus today, come on church, I saw one hand go up. Can you make some noise in the room this morning? Now, I just want to ask this one more time. I want to pray over you. If you're in the room, I I couldn't even get the sentence out without people throwing their hands up in the first service. If you're in the room and you're like, man, I'm like the king. I got my sweatpants, but I need to grab my sword today. I got my sweatpants. I need to grab. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up and you're ready to grab the sword. You're ready to do what you got to do. It's calling over comfort. It's calling over comfort. I'm ready to do what I got to do. Father, right now, with every hand up, leave your hand up. Every hand up that is in this room, God, I just pray the anointing of the power of God. That there are people that are watching online or listening online this week, right now, that God, they're saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to pick up the sword and trade in the sweatpants. I want to pick up my calling over my comfort. I pray right now the Spirit of God would raise up in them and a fire would burn. And God, we'd have more passion than we've ever had before. Burn away the things that don't need to be there. Turn away the things that are going to hold us back. But right now, God, right where we are, I pray that each person would feel, sense, and and experience a life-changing moment right now, God, to where passion takes place over anything else. God, we love you and we honor you in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask real quick, uh, Megan and and Travis and and Chris, Pastor Travis, Pastor Chris, Pastor Megan, and John to come on up uh, with me. Pastor Travis, Pastor Chris, Pastor Megan are our staff, and John's our campus director um, here this week, new one next week, and uh, John does a lot uh, for what we do here, and what I want to do is first and foremost, every one of these guys does things that nobody ever sees, and they don't ever get thanked for, they don't ever get an appreciation or a pat on the back for, they put up with things, they do stuff that nobody ever sees. I think it would be really awesome of you guys if you could just make them feel welcome and thank them real quick for the past eight years of ministry. I couldn't do anything without you guys. Um, 
But what we want to do is we're just going to stretch our hands out and pray. We've got Miss Creel, the principal here, and, and I, I don't want to bring her up and embarrass her, but I've already called her out, so it is what it is. Uh, we're very grateful for her and her leadership and teachers that we've got other teachers in the room and students that go here uh, in the room in the first service and in this service. And I just want to take a moment. I would love for you guys on the way out to just kind of socially tell her thank you um, and, and be careful, you know, don't get too close. But I just want to pray anointing over this building because here's what I know. They call this place the heart of Elgin. And I know that God changes from the heart out. And so I just want God to move in this place, in this building, in this school, to lead Miss Creel. And this is it, and I told you this. We are still serving you guys just like we always have. That doesn't change anything. We're still serving this town. We told the mayor that. We're going to be at the Christmas tree lighting this Thursday with them. So many things are going to be happening. And uh, I just want to tell you per personally, thank you uh, for how you've allowed us to meet here. You've served us in ways that I don't think you realize. And you have meant so, you and your staff have meant so much to us as a church. And so we want to say thank you. Y'all give it up for Miss Creel. Yes. I, I didn't get to say anything last service. I was kind of pressing on you because I wanted to, but I will right now. I just, I, so let me just tell you, when God called us to plant this church, Brody, he's nine, he was in my womb, and I told him no, and I just want to say thank you for always saying yes to God, even though sometimes our yes means no to something else, because there are times, y'all, not just on stage on Sunday mornings, this is a man of God, and I, I mean, that's why I pledge my life to live with you and do life with you, but I promise just from the inside out, this man lives his life in response to the love of God and everything he does as a husband, as a daddy, and as a pastor of this church. I just want you to know that there have been ups and downs, but just like you were preaching today, this man always chooses his call over comfort because planting this church did not feel good. And there are phases of this of this call that, I mean, I was even scared to marry him because I was like, I just knew God had his hand like just right there. I was, I mean, I just knew that it was going to cost some things, a big sacrifice. And I'm ready. I'm ready to say yes to calling and no to comfort some more with you. But thank you because, and your obedience to God has blessed us all. So let's give him a shout of praise. Thank you. I'd be scared to marry me too for multiple reasons. If you could, I, I want to get you out of your comfort zone for a minute. And I know some of you won't understand this, but we just believe in kind of laying on the hands and things. But I'm not going to ask you to touch anybody. But if you could just kind of stretch your arms all around this room so that it's just symbolic that every corner of this building can be touched. And let's just pray together. Father, we honor you. We give you everything. We do give you everything. We just want your obedience. We want to follow you. And God, right now, with arms stretched out, I just pray your anointing over every corner of this building. Over every corner of this building. God, over in the Stover. God, over in the other schools in this county. God, I just pray over this building specifically right now, the anointing in every corner. 
that when the teachers show up tomorrow, it would be a different atmosphere. When the administration shows up, they come in with direction and guidance, and you're guiding their footsteps unlike ever before. God, I thank you that you allowed us, Radiate Church, to be in here, and God, to see lives change forever in a school, and we're thankful for that. Everybody, God. Lord, I thank you for Miss Creel, God, for her working with us, and, and God, I just pray anointing over her right now, God. I just pray wisdom and peace over whatever she she has to do in COVID and in this season of, of, of uh, teaching kids and leading a school. I just pray peace over that right now, God, for every teacher that will be in here. God, I pray that you would direct their, their steps, God, and allow them to teach how they need to. Father, I just want to say thank you to... to uh, that you crossed my paths with Ed Yunt so many years ago that gave us the first opportunity to be in here. I pray blessing over them. But right now, God, I pray safety into this building. I pray safety, God, that these kids would be safe as they learn who you are, as they learn education. But God, that they would see your spirit, they'd see your love all around. God, we honor you, we worship you, and let our next steps be anointed steps. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Radiate Church, grab your grab your cards on the way out. We want to fill those seats. Go register for some services. And one more time at Blaney Elementary School, say it with me. Let's go change the world. Love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday.